Welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, this is episode 87, and we have Jack Ray on as a guest for you today. Awesome vaulter, a uh, 17-3 guy in college, uh, tells us his journey through you know the various schools he's transferred to and from. Great insight from this kid. He's only 21 years old, but super mature. I think you're going to really love this episode. And for young vaulters, you're going to really love to see his perspective of how to handle your, your vaulting, your career, everything. Um, hope you enjoy it. Uh, if you have any questions or comments, please hit us uh, at uh, apexvaulting at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the real Apex Vaulting, and we're Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, and Twitter. And please, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review, that would be great. And you can also watch these podcasts on YouTube at our YouTube channel, Apex Vaulting, and we'd love for you to subscribe and leave a comment on those as well. Um, without further ado, here's the episode. All right, welcome to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. Uh, we got a great episode for you. Uh, this is episode 87 with Jack Rea. Ray. Ray, sorry. I apologize, Jack. Um, Jack, uh, if, if you follow him on Instagram, he's uh, jumped at Tennessee. Um, what's your p- lifetime best right now? Lifetime best is 17, three and a half, 527. Yeah, and Jack, you reached out to me the other day. You wanted to join the podcast and talk about some of your experiences. You feel like you can help a lot of people, and I was super pumped about it because I think a lot of times in the pole vault, and again, you can correct me you know, if I'm wrong or whatever, but I know a lot of times people don't really know, you know, like what's the right situation for me? You know, I'm, I'm a high school vaulter. I want to jump in college. What should I be looking for? I think a lot of times people think D one right away. You know, they want to, they want to be able to tell their friends, Oh, I'm, I'm going to a D one college. But at the end of the day, I mean, your PR is your PR, regardless of what division you go to. And I always advise people to go where it's a good fit. Like I always tell people, I'm like, go somewhere where they want you on the team. You're going to be able to compete. They have equipment. They have a coach. Um, I always feel like those are the most important things. Um, but, but what are your thoughts? I definitely think um, a couple important things to me are having good jumpers, having that good depth of like a school. Whenever I was in high school, the way I would look at a school is um, let's say I would go to D1 Nationals, D2 Nationals, look at the result sheet. Yeah. Any school that had somebody place in the top four or five or any school that had more than one person place at nationals, I said, okay, they have to have a good coach because a lot of vultures will get to college and not get better. But if you can look at a college and you can see that steady progression of athletes getting better, that's something you definitely need to look at rather than going to a school that, you know, they might have a 17 foot vulture, but when was the last time you jumped 17? Or this school right. might have three 16-foot guys, but when was the last time that they PR'd? Right. I definitely think that that was something that was important for me to look at whenever I was choosing a school. Um, yeah. I mean, besides that, I definitely feel like a good situation for anyone whenever they enter college is just finding where you fit in. Finding where you can go to make your dreams happen. Because at the end of the day, one thing that you'll find is huge in college track versus high school track is the team atmosphere. How much having a good team and having good teammates around you can affect how well you jump because sometimes in some meets you might not fully believe in yourself, but having your teammates believing in you, it inspires you to have that extra motivation to jump higher. You know, you might be doubting yourself. You might be sitting there thinking, Oh, I'm not as good as this senior from UCLA. I'm not as good as this, you know, guy from Akron, 
But if you have your teammates there and they're motivating you, you could actually think in your head, you know, maybe I am like meant to be here. Maybe I could jump higher than these guys. And so that's another huge thing. Yeah, no. So it, it's funny because I was just talking to someone today about this. And, you know, I think sometimes, you know, when we think about athletes, we're always like, okay, what are some important attributes? And as pole vaulters, like, oh, well, you got to be fast and you got to be strong and maybe flexible and whatever. You know, you think about all these other things and kind of what you're saying, what ends up becoming the most important is your brain. You know, if, if you don't have the right mindset, you know, and if that mindset is not fostered and, and helped pushed along, yeah, you can start to have doubts, you know, and I, I was talking to someone uh, who, who jumps at the club and I was like, look, like what separates you from, let's say another athlete who's more successful is belief in yourself, knowing that, listen, I want to get better. I am going to get better and making that commitment. And I think that's huge. And if you have you know, teammates that help push you along, I think that's huge. I know at the club, I always talk about competition because I think competition helps push you. So even if you're that person that maybe you don't 100% believe in yourself, if you're practicing with a bunch of other people and all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, I thought I was better than that guy. And that guy just did that. And you're gonna be like, no, nah, man, I got I to step it up. <laughs> Exactly. It's always about having teammates that you know that can push you. I always say that it's good to be a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond, especially when you go to college. Because if you don't have those people that are pushing you to get better, then you're not really going to push yourself to get better. I mean, I spent a year at the University of Tennessee, and when I came in, I was only jumping 15-7. That was my PR at the time coming in um, as a sophomore in college. And some of the biggest people that motivated me to jump higher, um, the vaulters there at the time, Tristan Slater, Andy Ference, Nate Harper, um, all of those guys were jumping five meters plus. And I mean, I, my PR is 475. And they didn't see me as less than them. What they saw is that I had a lot of untapped potential that I could, that I could tap into. And so through them, I even told them after every time I PR'd, I mean, I went to South Carolina and I, blew it up. I PR'd from 15.7 to uh, 16.9, 5.10. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I told all of them afterwards, I was like, I didn't believe I could do that, but they were the ones sitting there the entire time telling me like, why haven't you done it yet? Right. Like, like you can do this. And it was like, it was so crazy to me because that's when I made that realization that having those good teammates, having people to push me truly will make you get better. If, if they believe in you and that's the mentality at practice every single day, you're going to naturally get better because you believe in yourself more for yeah, sure. Well, and, and it's like the expectation, right? It's like, so you're at a Tennessee. It's like the expectation is that you jump at least five meters. You know what I mean? So it's like when you're in that situation, you're like, even if you didn't think it was possible, you're like, I have to figure this out or I'm not going to be part of this team for very long. You know? And I, and I think that does help. Like I, I know even um, when I first started coaching, right. My first year, I'm at this high school, and the school record for girls, and mind you, it's like 2004, 2003, um, the school record was, I think, 7.6 or 7.9, something ridiculous like that. And I was like telling the girls on the team, like, no, like somebody's got to jump 10. And they're like, whoa, 10. That's like, we're crushing the school record at that point. And they're, and they're like, I, I mean, I only know like one girl in the state that jumps 10 at the time. And it's like, yeah, but like, that girl's not special. She's not like an Olympian, you know, it's 10 feet. Like you could do it. We just, we have to have this expectation. And I know even like when people come to the club, like, 
you know, it can be something simple like just a pull-up, right? Some people can come in and think a pull-up is like the hardest thing ever. But when you see like the lifting board and you're like, wait, you've had girls do pull-ups with over 60 pounds around their waist. Yeah. It's like, okay, well, I have to be able to at least do pull-ups, like body weight pull-ups, you know? So having people that push you and say, hey, this is the expectation. This is possible. Because a lot of times if you're, let's say you're at that little high school or even in college, you go to like a smaller college where pull vault's not a big thing. They might think, you know, you might have walked in 15-5 and they could have been like, wow, that's like, you just broke the school record first meet by foot. It's like, you're the best ever. So it's like, you're already trying to do something that no one in that school history has ever done before. It's going to be tough motivating yourself. Yeah, no, for sure. I definitely see how that can be a problem for a lot of people whenever they come in. That's why I said, I mean, big fish in a small pond versus small fish in a big pond. You want to have people that are better than you because if you go out and you see like, like for me, it was watching Andy, Nate, Tristan. I mean, they'd go to practice and they'd blow up a 520 bungee. And I was sitting there, my PR was 15.5. I was like, I was like, I'm here. I was like, I'm, that's expected of me. Like I, I need to, I, I'm, if they can do it, I can. And that's, that's one thing that they even like made a point to like prove to me is that like, I was no different from them. I had the full ability to, to be able to do that. Like what you were saying, like yeah. girls and doing pull-ups and all that. I just didn't realize it. And it took me right. getting there and around those like really great teammates for me to be able to, to accomplish that. And one of my, one of my biggest, uh, one of my biggest guys that really helped me out, his name's Nate Harper. He's still a vaulter. He's actually going to be taking his sixth year at UT. Okay. But he told me from the first day I got there, he told me, Jack, he was like, don't expect to go to all your meets. And that, that's, that's another aspect of college vaulting. I mean, going to Tennessee with a PR of 15, seven, he didn't say it to be malicious. He just told me to like make sure that I wasn't in that headspace and I didn't get hurt about it. Right. I didn't take that negatively. The way I took that was I'm not going to expect to go to any meet, but I'm going to practice like I'm going to nationals. I'm going to practice like I'm at everyone doing great. And that's what led to me being successful. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that that's an interesting point too. You know, even uh, again, I coach Ramapo College Division Three you know, sometimes we'll end up getting people on the team where, you know, it could be a boy that's only jumped 11, 6, 12, or it's a girl that's only jumped 8, 6, 9 in high school. And because of our region, right, we're in the Northeast, we go to a lot of meets at the New York City Armory, we go to a lot of meets at Staten Island, which are heavily populated by D1 teams. So our opening bars might be like 10 for girls, 13 for guys, 14 for guys. And a lot of times I explain to those, those athletes, I'm like, look, I believe you can jump these bars. But if you're not willing to put the time and effort in, I'm like, you're going to get really pissed taking an hour bus ride to these meets and then taking three jumps and being out. And then there's going to be meets where we can't even take you because the opening bar is too high or they only accept certain entries. So it's like, if you don't put the work in, you're not willing to work, this is not going to work out. And sometimes, you know, I've had both scenarios. I've had people who rose to that level and I've had people who are like, whoa, they're like super upset about it. And they think I'm coming off mean. It's like, no, I'm just being honest. I, I know even um, one of my guys that coaches for me now, Calvin Hartman, he was a guy that he came to Rampo as a 14-footer. He was like 6'1", 150 pounds. He was like a string bean, right? Um, ended up jumping 15'9". He was you know, 6'1", 185, jacked by senior year, you know, really worked hard. 
he was one that every year we would kind of like go for a dinner, a pole vault dinner in the beginning of the year with everybody who's new on the team and, and everybody who's been on the team. And we talk about goals and what, what's to be expected. And we always laugh. It's like, by the time we get to the first meet, half that dinner table has gone, you know, because it's, you know, at the division three level, you know, it's like, we'll kind of take anybody who wants to try. And it's like, when they see the work that it takes, it's, it's different level once you're in college, you know? Yeah, for sure. And one thing that I will say about people coming to college with pole vault and all that, this is something that I've heard from a lot of vaulters across Mm -hmm. every level. I mean, I've competed in the NAIA division one. I mean, that's pretty much the whole spectrum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, for those people that don't know, NAIA is not Division One, Two, II, or Three. It's a separate organization than NCAA. Um, and look, sometimes there's like really, really awesome athletes in NAIA, but then you, you could have like, let's say some people that are more, they would be more like D2, maybe even D3 level athletes. Yeah. And at, at Aquinas, when I was there, the appeal to it uh, out of high school for me was they had an indoor track. Mm-hmm. And so they had the facilities, they had a great coach and they had another, uh, they had two a 15-11, a 15-6, and a 17-1 vaulter, Curtis yeah. Bell. Yeah, so they had a really good squad and everything up there. But to my point about athletes coming from high school to college, the thing that I see being a problem is athletes will come to college and they will think that they know about college, about college workouts. I mean, right. I've heard this. That's the number one sentence I've heard. This isn't what I did, did in high school. This is nothing yeah. like what I did in high school. I did better in high school because of this. I used to jump every single day in high school and right. I PR'd like crazy my senior year. That's one thing that I hear a ton, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to, to that point, especially on the male side, it's like, dude, you know why you also PR'd so much junior, senior year? Cause you went through puberty. <laughs> like, you know, it wasn't like you did a magical workout. It wasn't cause you pole vaulted every day. It's like, dude, you also grew four inches. You also put on 20 pounds of muscle just naturally, you know, going Started bending the pole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, th- that's something that that's crazy. And, and it's funny. Like I a hundred percent get what you're saying and I'm totally on board. I think a lot of people who pole vault in high school, the workout regimen is not what it's like in college. What's interesting at Apex is because we really push the strength and conditioning here. I will get athletes come back from whatever school they go to. And a lot of times like, we're not lifting enough. We're not training hard enough. These people aren't pushing it. I'm like, well, then you need to push yourself. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that, that's kind of interesting to me. Cause I think, I think what the, I think the best positive feedback I've gotten from college coaches is when, when my, my guys and gals go, go to college, they're like, wow, they already know how to lift. I'm like, yeah. You know, so it's like, just keep them going, you know? Yeah. And there's a lot of aspects that people don't factor in when they go make that transition from high school to college. Um, I mean, a lot of times when you're in high school track, you're not going to lift as a pole vaulter. You're not going to, I mean, usually high school track programs will take the throwers and that's pretty much it into the weight room. And if you're a pole vaulter or anything else, I mean, a lot of high school coaches don't even know a whole lot about pole vault to begin with. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think that coming into college with no expectation of what you're going to be doing, rather just come in and trust the process, trust yeah. that what, no matter, regardless of what you're doing, what you're doing has a purpose. It has meaning. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's just part of trusting your coaches and trusting where you end up going. Well, that's I, why you need- I, I think a lot of it comes down to ownership, right? Like, Sure. Maybe in high school, you really loved your high school coach or you loved your club coach. Now you're in college and it's real easy to be like, I'm having a bad year because my new coach sucks. 
I think that's a real easy scapegoat. You know what I mean? And I, I remember actually one time sitting down at a meet and one of my former athletes who was jumping at a not Ramapo, post some other college comes sit next to me and she starts complaining about her college coach. And I say, Hey, I don't know if you'd like it any better at, at my college. And she like looked at me and I'm like, listen, I'm like, that's fine. Okay. Maybe this coach is not good. I'm like, what are you doing about it? Are you pushing yourself? Are you working hard? Are you putting in the time? Are you, are you maybe making sacrifices, like not going to that college party? You know what I mean? It's like, you have, you have to take ownership of it. And, and that's a big thing. Like I've, I've had people PR all different types of colleges, colleges where it's a great situation where me as a club coach, I feel like I'm completely hands off and that kid is just doing whatever they're doing at their college and they PR. And then I've had other situations where maybe one of my kids went to a college where they don't have a pole vault coach. They don't have a great system. It's not a big team. And they've got to really stay in contact with me and maybe send me videos and updates and I give them drills to do. And we, we kind of plan out what they're going to do. But any way you look at it, and I always tell people, I'm like, regardless of your situation, it's on you. If you want to be successful, you can be successful. Now, to your point though, I think it's a lot easier when you have a good group. If you have a good group that's supportive and you have teammates and a coach and they have a system and it's proven, I mean, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you being in Tennessee, I mean, obviously super rich tradition of pole vault in Tennessee. I, I mean, how much did that play a part in your experience in Tennessee? Cause I know things changed once you were there, you know, cause there's the lineage from Jim B. Miller and then, um, Russ Johnson was there. I know he's now down at Georgia, but like, what, what was your experience? And was that part of what, what you guys were doing? You know, how, did you, you know, I mean, obviously results wise, you guys are keeping the tradition alive, but Walk me through that. So when I got to when I first got to Tennessee, I knew that Tennessee had a very good tradition of pole vault. I didn't realize how deep it was yeah. until I started to get there. And I started to meet people. Like before I got to Tennessee, I already knew Tim Mack. I had right. been to a couple of his meets that he hosted in Knoxville. Um, I didn't know Chase Brandon quite yet, but I did know. Well, my bad. Mark didn't go to Tennessee. <laughs> Right. Mark was just training that which, so for everybody just listening, it's like, I always feel like Tennessee is like this Mecca of pole vault. There's just been so much stuff pole vault related in Tennessee, whether it's Jim B. Miller who coached at Tennessee forever. You have Lojo silver medalist in 2000, Tim Mack Olympic champion in 2004. Then Mark Hollis goes down there to train with Tim Mack. Um, you even have, uh, you know, Roman Bacharnikov who, you know, also worked with Lojo and worked with Katie Najat and whatever. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's just, there's so much pole vault down in Tennessee. It's, it's crazy. It's one of my favorite places. Yeah. And I mean, when you go to a place where your school record's 598, you kind of do have something to live <laughs> up to. Yeah. Yeah. 598 is pretty good jump. <laughs> yeah. I, I would definitely say so. Lawrence Johnson definitely set the bar high on that one. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, even, even at Tennessee to get into the top, I want to say the top 10 jumps or the top eight, whatever it is, you have to jump 540 plus. Right. That's, that's what was crazy to me. And I mean, just knowing that whenever you go to a big school like that, like I'm sure it'd be the same if you went to Texas or if you went to Virginia tech with Deacon right. Bowles and all them. Right. I mean, it's just like you almost get absorbed into the culture because it's been a culture of the school for so long. Right. That like, I mean, pole vault has been a focal point at Tennessee for years, for yeah. years and years, because they've just had those athletes. Right. And then to be able to go up there and compete with them for a year and just be one of those guys was awesome for me. I mean, yeah. I definitely think that that was a huge motivator. 
was just yeah. seeing that. I mean, all these other guys came before me and were able to do it. So, so can I. Yeah. So uh, maybe some random questions, but, uh, I mean, would you even be able to answer this? How many poles does Tennessee have? Uh, I would say it, it, God. so there's like a pole cart that probably has close to like probably a hundred poles on it, yeah. honestly. And then in the shed, there's the poles that they don't use anymore. Right, right, right. There's probably equally as many there. I'd say two to 300 poles. Easy. I, did you did you ever uh, get to take a look at some of like Jacob Blankenship's poles? Yeah, we had we had some, uh, <laughs> we had some five ten poles in there too. Some five ten like two hundred pound poles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not something that I will be jumping on soon. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> but those are some sticks, man. I I remember, and for those people that don't know, Jacob Blankenship was a nineteen footer for Tennessee, and uh, I remember talking to some of the Tennessee guys at, at a meet. And they were like, dude, Jacob, I, I think he was on a 16, like 220 or something. And they're like, when that pole came in, they're like, dude, the only thing that bends that pole is when Jacob's running full tilt and takes a jump. He goes, you try to like bend it against the wall or something like that thing does not move. They're like, it's, it's so thick. Um, it's, it's wild. When you start to think about some of the big, big poles that people have jumped on and you're at a school where obviously that, that stuff went down, you're like, holy crap, like what the hell was this guy bringing down the runway that this happened, you know? Yeah, it's absolutely insane. And even at Kennesaw where I'm at right now, we had a, uh, decathlete, his name's Josh Mulder. He, his PR is that he has the school record there at 527. Okay. Ironically, it's my PR. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he was even jumping on big sticks. He was jumping on 490s, close to 200 pounds. And it's like, I mean, I'm six foot three. I weigh 165 to 175 pounds right now. Right, right, right. And it's, it's just like, even for me, it's like I've used a 190 pole. But once you get up to 200 pounds, I mean, it gets about as round as a Coke can. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty huge. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, like, you know, even that, right? It's like you're 160, right? You said it's like you're starting to get on poles that are almost, you know, 40 pounds above your weight. I always tell people like that 40 pounds, like once you're about 40 pounds above your weight, man, you're getting on some big poles and you're going to have some huge jumps, you know, on something like that. Yeah. And I didn't really start jumping over that. This is another thing. Um, When people try to jump over their hand grips when they're younger vaulters, Mm -hmm. when they first start bending the pole and all that. I didn't actually see myself jumping over my hand grip until I got onto poles that were a lot over my weight like right. that. And yeah. so in high school, I mean, I jumped 15-6 on a 15-180. I mean, I went to nationals uh, my freshman year of college. I jumped 15-7 on a 15-7 pole. And right. then when I got to Tennessee and transitioned to 490s, I, I mean, it was a 490, 18.8 was what I jumped on at South mm. Carolina when I PR'd like crazy. But that was actually my first day ever being on 490s. Right, right. And right. when I looked at the poll after the meet was over, I read it. I was like, this is a 16-foot 185. Right. I was like, I've never even been on a 15 185. Right. And then it, it really clicked with me. I was like, wow. I was like, this is what it takes. I got I to gotta really hit this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what would you say also while you're in Tennessee? I mean, you know, obviously we're talking about the expectation level and, and the teammates pushing you and, and the drive. Uh, what about, what about the strength and conditioning, the workouts? Like you're, you were talking before, you're like, Oh, I don't think high school kids understand the workouts. Like maybe 
tell, tell us some workout stories, some stuff that you look back and you're like, wow, this was critical. I needed to do this. And maybe even some stories where you're like, wow, we really busted our ass. That was, we were working hard so that maybe a high school pole vaulter listening to this is like, oh wait, like I got to up my game, you know? Yeah. And so one thing that, I mean, you can expect for most colleges when you go is most college coaches understand the importance of a buka. Most college coaches understand the importance of being able to do a swing up on a high bar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, pull up stuff like that. A lot of coaches will expect you, especially for pole vault, you'll do a lot of power lifting. So at a school like Tennessee, most colleges will choose to do Olympic lifting. That will be their set. And so I would say that if you haven't really worked on snatching, if you haven't worked on power clean, if you haven't worked on overhead squats, stuff like that, those are all workouts that are essential to being explosive in the ball. Those are some of the things that you might struggle with out of the gates because a lot of, like I said earlier with high schoolers and not lifting a whole lot, mm-hmm. some people are not really used to that, but that's something that you have to mentally be ready for. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as the workouts go, honestly, when I was at Tennessee, they would, I don't know if you've ever seen Neyland Stadium in Knoxville. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. So they used to make us run stadiums from the bottom to the top of Neyland. And for, for some context, Neyland Stadium is the third largest stadium in the world by volume. In the wow. entire world, it is the third largest stadium. Yeah. That you go to the bottom to the top of it eight times in a row without stopping. You get to the top and you're running down. I, I have never had a workout where I have not been able to walk before, but that was, that was it for me. That did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I and it was imagine. just like, like, like looking at it. I mean, I, I'm one of those people that, I mean, I might look at a schedule and see when we're going to jump like during a given week. Mm-hmm. But as far as like, even at Kennesaw, like I won't look at our running workouts and stuff like that because I'm one of those guys that if I look at a workout and I think it's going to be hard, it is going to be hard. But if I just go to practice and do what I'm told, it's not really as hard for me. And that's right. a point that, I can stress to a lot of people coming up to colleges, you don't want to expect anything. You just got to come and trust and do what your coaches say. I mean, that goes back to the point of me saying that a lot of high school jumpers will come to college and say, oh, I did this in high school. I did this in high school. I did this in high school. When you have those expectations, all of a sudden you have something that you have to meet. You have, you have an expectation that you have to meet now because of those, because of the expectations that you're solely putting onto yourself. Right. Versus coming to college and just trusting that what you're doing is making you better. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, look, uh, again, I think a lot of it has to come down to people taking ownership and being like, all right, like, before you tell me something's not going to work, you got to at least try. You, you know what I mean? And the other thing is, if you're going to be doing more, I, I don't understand how more work is bad. Because I think, like, the examples you're giving, it's definitely athletes who are used to just jumping a lot and they're not used to actually like training. Like, I don't think a lot of people really understand what training is. And I I would say, look, I don't know what you think, but I'm not shocked anymore. I'm, I'm, I know there's a lot of people out there that jump some crazy bars. Like I'm sure there are females out there to jump 14 and there are males out there to jump 17 that probably don't train that hard. They have some freakishly good genetics. They can get by with just jumping and just, staying quote unquote fit, right. But not pushing limits. And I think for, for most people though, you know, you're going to have to push limits to be competitive. And on top of it, if you ever want to reach your ultimate potential, you have to push limits. Like that's why I even posted like, um, during this whole, you know, quarantine and stuff, uh, 
watched The Last Dance with Michael Jordan, and I posted one of his one of his like clips from The Last Dance, and it's like, dude, if you really want to be a champ, if you want to be a winner, it takes a lot of effort, and you're gonna have to do a lot of things that maybe some people are gonna think is crazy, but you have to be willing to take it to that next level. Yeah, and to and to your point, I mean, what's I mean, running down a runway and having a good practice when you just ran eight times up and down Neyland, it's like you do, I call it shock and awe practices. You go to a practice where you can expect this. Anybody can expect this in college. They're going to come out and they're going to find a day and they're going to kill you physically. They are just going to absolutely destroy you. But what happens is once you do enough of those workouts, once you get into the actual season where you're not conditioning, you're not doing any of that stuff anymore – a lot of the different aspects of pole vault, your lifts, everything else, it becomes easier because to you, you're like, you know, I just, I've already done all these crazy workouts. What, what's a lift session? You know what, you know, all this other stuff. I mean, it's, it's really easy to, to see how it connects, at least for me, because when you struggle and you're going up and you're throwing up after a practice and everything, it's like, <laughs> you believe that what you're doing is for a reason because of how you feel afterwards. <laughs> Well, so I, I, I think, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that kind of like poo poo certain types of training and listen, like, I don't think people should give hard workouts just for the sake of being hard, right? Like I'm not trying to like torture somebody, but there (laughs) is something to be said about doing certain types of workouts where it's like, you are pushing yourself mentally. Like how much can I take? Because like I was even given an example, like you know, I was talking to a bunch of people and it's like during this quarantine, like people doing a lot of at-home workouts. And one of the things that I did, like I started doing like wall sits and I would just, I would get to the point where like my legs are starting to like wobble, you know, I'm literally to the point where I'm going to like collapse, you know? And I'm like, no, 10 more seconds, 10 more seconds. And I just, you know, I'm trying to push myself because a lot of the things that you need to be a competitive athlete or even like success driven person is to be able to push past the points where the average person goes, you know what? I tap out, I'm done. And when you've been through a workout like that, like you said, you're like, this is cake now. You mean, wait, it's meat day. I just got to show up and just pull vault. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it's just crazy how much I would say my body and how much like workouts and stuff have changed for me since I've got to college. Physically, I've gotten bigger. Physically, I feel like I'm in the best shape of my life. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly. Yeah. And I don't think I would have gotten here unless I would have pushed through those hard workouts, like I said. And back to my point about having good teammates, having a team environment where you feel welcome, where everybody is pushing you to get better, it makes those hard workouts so much easier. Awesome. That's why I stress so much that having that good environment around you is what can build you to be that better vaulter, that better sprinter, even any across any event really yeah if you have people there pushing you to be a better version of yourself then you are going to be a better version of yourself you are going to be successful yeah. you know what i'm yeah. saying you're going to create yourself in the image that you want no a hundred percent and i know for me from a coaching perspective i know a lot of times like i kind of get shit from certain people because one i love being competitive super competitive guy like even on on the podcast i did with uh, innovators anonymous um, you know, I talked about at practices, I will get athletes to be competitive with one another, one another, right? It's like, Hey, did you, did you see what Sally did last practice or whatever? And try to push them and motivate them because I know come meet day, 
if you're not used to pushing yourself, wow, and you get to a, a tough part in the meet, you're going to crumble because you're not used to having pressure, you know? And so we constantly have to like almost create this pressure for ourselves in different sort of ways. And if you're not pushing each other and you're not there and like, like you said, if you're going through that hard workout and you have teammates that are pushing through, you know, you could do it too. You know, that motivates you. And I, I think that's a super important part. Now off the track, after the meet, we can all be friends. Like I'm, I'm totally cool there. I'll help anybody, you know? Uh, but I, I think in the pole vault, we sometimes, I think there's a lot, there's like this big portion of pole vaulters that I feel like they think everything is just about being friendly and nice to each other and high-fiving. Like, I don't know, but you tell me when you're with Tennessee and you go to conferences, you high-fiving everybody? No, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I, the year I was at Tennessee, I was fortunate enough to jump against Mondo. And even even he, like, I mean, he came out, he knew, he probably knew he was going to win the meet. He probably knew that he yeah. was, you know what I'm saying? But even he, he was not trying to talk to a whole lot of people. Yeah, he's in the zone. Relaxed. He was not really, he was on his game. Yeah. And that's one thing, like, it just, you're never going to go to a meet in college where you should feel like, Oh, this is just a meet. Like I'm going to jump. Every meet's going to have that pressure. Every meet's going to have that. I mean, if you go to a college, honestly, and you just BS it, if you're not doing your workouts, if you're not doing your thing in college, they can replace you. Yeah. That that's a huge thing. Also, like, especially at a place like Tennessee, if you're not doing what you you need to do, they'll find somebody that will. Well, so I, I, I think at the end of the day, I mean, here's the thing that I always tell people too. And there's this great, like, um, this like motivational video with Joe Rogan. He's talking about workouts and there's a part, I think Aubrey Marcus is saying this part, but he, he says, you know, you could only judge yourself. You're the only one that, that can judge yourself. You know, like I can't judge you. If I'm watching you do a workout, Jack, I don't know how much it hurts. I don't know how far you're, you're, you're pushing it. You're the only one. And I think at the end of the day, like you're saying, if you BS it, right, if you just go through the motions and you jump whatever, man, you know, that's going to hurt inside, you know, five, 10 years later, when you look back, you're like, man, maybe, maybe I could have qualified for nationals or maybe I could have done, like, I always sleep well because I know I'm trying to squeeze everything out that I possibly can. And, and I'm really proud, most of all, with athletes that I've had over the years, regardless of how successful they were results-wise, that they knew they left it all out on the runway. You know what I mean? Like there was, there was not another push-up they could have done. There was not another drill they could have done. It was like they were pushing as hard as they possibly could, and this was the best that we could have done. And if they were good enough, they won. If not, hey, we lost to a better person that day, and that's okay. But it's like that's the thing that I think becomes huge, and, and it's a life lesson, right? Like what we're really trying to do with Polvol is we're trying to become better people. And pole vault is a fun way to do it because look, at the end of the day, if you don't jump so high or you lose a meet, Hey, mom and dad are still going to love you. You know, you you'll be all right. You know? Um, but the thing is in life, right? It's like, you know, are, are you working hard enough at your job? You know, are you, are you doing as much as you can to provide for your family? You know, are, are you trying to make yourself a better person? You know, it's like, these are all things you're going to figure out. And it's like in pole vault, you get to see, it's like, did you really push did you really try your best? And I, and I think that's, that's an important thing as, as human beings. Like we have to know where those limits are and try, try to bust through them and try to know that we gave our best effort. Cause if you didn't, 
years later, you're going to have regrets, 100%. Oh, absolutely. And I, I see it all the time with a lot of athletes. I can go to a meet and I can tell after somebody gets out how they felt, like what they think of jumping, what they think of pole vault. Because there's some people that'll go to a meet, they'll no height or they'll jump the first bar, which is a foot and a half under their PR. Right. They'll get out and they'll act like it's no big deal. They'll be like, oh, it is what it is. But I'm somebody that if I go and I do something like that, I'm hard on myself. That's the accountability part. I know that it's not my coach's fault because of the standards. I know it's not the official's fault. I know it's not my teammate's fault. I'm the one holding the pole. I'm the one jumping. Therefore, I am the one that messed up. Yeah. Well, and and look, what I think is the best way of having that attitude, like you're talking about accountability and taking ownership of what's going on because it's you, right? Right. That's always such a powerful mentality because no one can stop you. Yeah, sure. You have to own the loss, right? If you have a bad day, you have to own that loss. But the the powerful thing with that is like, well, wait, if I really want to accomplish something, then it's on me. I can get it done. It might take a, a few trips and falls and failures, but if I just keep at this, I can figure it out and I can keep churning, right? But it's like when you allow for yourself to think, well, you know, the reason I keep having bad meets is my coach is terrible. Or I, I keep having bad meets because you, you know what? Like, uh, I need, we're not doing the right workouts or we're not doing this or we didn't go to the right meet or the weather was bad. Or like you said, officials, you know, it's like, oh, it took them too long to put the crossbar up. I was on the runway for a while. It's like, hey, dude, nobody told you you couldn't skip or do something to keep yourself warm. You know, it's like, yeah. take ownership of that because otherwise you're powerless. I'm not, for me, I'm not going to allow for someone else to take that power from my life. Like I want to be in charge. Oh yeah. Everybody has, has that choice that they can make. You can control your own destiny. You can, you, if you want to jump higher, you can. I mean, my, my progression has been crazy over these past couple of years. I mean, my junior year of high school, I PR'd from 10 feet to, well, this was 2016. So the uh, spring of my junior year of high school, fall of my senior year, but over 2016, I PR'd by five and a half feet. I PR'd from 10 feet to 15.5 that year. Mm-hmm. And it was because every time I went out to practice or something like that, I didn't have a coach. I learned how to pull vault off YouTube in high school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of every practice, it was like, because of that, I learned that it was me jumping. It wasn't what anybody else was doing that was affecting my jumping because I was the one out there doing it by myself. Yeah. I was the one that was pole vaulting. Right. And so it just that mentality has really helped me throughout the years because I haven't really blamed anything else for my failures. I blame myself. And so I'm able to look back on those and say, I made this mistake at this meet. So let's not make that mistake again. Yeah. So I, I always wonder, like listening to you talk about that, I I always feel like it's a, it's like a double-edged sword, right? So, okay. At my club, right? Like someone who trains here, they, they have good coaching, they have good equipment, you know, they're being monitored, you know, we have a training plan, you know, there's a system and, you know, but sometimes those kids, because of that, or those athletes, they kind of maybe don't understand it at the level that you understand it because you had to do it on your own. Right. Yeah. But it's like, so it's like, but that's why you are the way you are because you had to do it on your own. So it's like, how do you get the best of both worlds? I mean, one thing I always wonder, like, you know, someone like you, if you get paired up into a great system, what happens then? You know what I mean? That's where I think like some crazy stuff could happen. Cause I, I see it. I mean, unfortunately, sometimes like by the time someone gets to the club who's, let's say post collegiate, 
life kind of takes over. They've got a full-time job. They're getting married, you know, this, that, and the other, maybe kids. And so at that point, they can't train like the way they did in college, you know? And I I always wonder, I'm like waiting for that situation to happen where I I always like envision like finally like someone coming to the club who, you know, it's like they're right there and they can go full tilt. And now just getting a system and a coach to help them is going to take it to the next level. Yeah. And so during that year um, that I PR'd like crazy back in 2016, I jumped 13, six during my junior year up, up until that summer. And then as soon as I graduated, I actually joined a club called Georgia Pole Vault. I was completely by myself up to that point. And uh, all the coaches there and everybody was really helpful to me. The head coach there, his name is Robbie Robertson. Um, Mm -hmm. Favorite coach was probably Mike Schultz. He was a really, really great guy, a great coach for me. But that really was able, made me be able to go to that next level with pole vault because Mm -hmm. once I got there, I became that small fish in that big pond. I, all of a sudden I went from jumping by myself to being around 30 other people at practice that all want to jump high. And I was like, nice. holy crap, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that that really helped me too, is because when I got there, I might not have understood what I was doing, but I knew that I didn't know a lot about pole vaulting. Nice. I knew that I only knew what I saw on YouTube, and that was how to plant the pole, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I was able to come at it from a different perspective than I would say some athletes come at it. And I was able to just come in and just accept that what they were telling me is what the gospel. It, it was yeah, yeah. what I needed to do to get better. And as long as I trusted that and I had trust in my training, I jumped higher. I got better. I kept, I yeah. kept just improving and improving because everything I did had a purpose. Mm-hmm. That yeah. purpose was solely for the next meet for me to jump a PR. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I listen, I, I think that's definitely the attitude you have to have. Cause I do, I do feel like there is like this other part where it's like, once the PR stop, because I, I, do, I do think that some people need to wrap their head around like, okay, once you've, let's say, gone through puberty or a physical maturation process and you, di- you, you have the technique, not perfected, but like this is pretty stable, right? Now it's like, okay, how do you chip away and continue to PR? You may not PR like two feet in a year, but like how do you get another, you know, two, three inches, maybe even six inches this year? How do you, how do you chip away and do that stuff? That is stuff that I think also doesn't happen enough. People don't talk about that, that the PRs do slow down and how do you stay motivated and what should the expectation level be? Like, I still think people should expect a PR, but it's like, it may not be by a foot. It may be a half a foot. It may be three inches. You know, maybe you also jump your PR more consistently. That's a good sign that you're getting better, you know? So it's like, you have to track this stuff, but the minute you become complacent and you're like, ah, so I didn't PR, who cares? you're probably going to, you're probably going to be stuck at that PR then. Yeah. And that's actually a really good point about college vaulting versus high school. So this is one thing that people don't think about a lot, but the ideal college pole vaulter is consistent, consistent at every meet. You can be counted on to jump your PR or a bar below your PR at every single meet. Those are going to be the best guys. You get to a place and pole vault, like college coaches all over the country they kind of look at pole vaulting as an inconvenience. A lot of schools yeah. do because yeah. you have to spend the most money to ship poles. You have to spend the most money yeah. to buy poles, buy pits, set all that up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a box collar, I don't know how many thousands of dollars those are, but. They're not <laughs> you know, that. I mean, they're like 600, but yeah. I mean, you've seen, yeah. that's mine back there. 
I, I think that's properly installed right now. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good that it's over across the room. <laughs> yeah, but the best thing you can do when a coach is having to go through and jump through all those hoops to get your pulls to meets and stuff like that is be yeah. consistent. That is, if you have a 15-6 guy, two 15-6 guys at a college, the one that's going to be on a better scholarship is going to be the one that's more consistent that they can count on. Right. And that's where it just, I mean, the mental aspects of pole vaulting come in. You have to know like every day when you come out of meet, you expect a certain level of performance from yourself. Well, so b- besides the expectation, because I mean, listen, I, th- I think that's important. You have to have an expectation, right? But how, how, how do you go about becoming consistent? Like do you, what, what systematically do you do to like, try to like, kind of guarantee like, okay, how, how do I make sure every Saturday I'm jumping, you know, within this much of my PR? I mean, take us through that. Is it like, you know, is there something about sleep, nutrition that you do that's special? Like, what about your training? You know, is there some combination of grip and pull and mid or something that, you know, it's like, I've got to stay within this range. Otherwise it's not going to work. Well, I wish there was one answer that I could give for that to answer that, but I definitely think the biggest thing for me would definitely have to be controlling every aspect in my life that I can control. Mm-hmm. And that it goes beyond pole vaulting for me, making sure I have all my classwork done. So I'm not stressed out about it at practice, making sure that, I mean, when I go home, like cleaning up my house, cleaning up my room, stuff like that. So that when I go home, I know what it's going to be. It can be the littlest things, but as long as you're controlling everything you can control, I mean, pole vaulting, in my mind becomes a little bit easier because it is scary. It's full of inconsistencies and stuff like that. But if you have an organized life, you'll actually find that your pole vaulting will get more consistent. You'll see that you can focus more on it because you're not focusing on so much that gets going on around you. Right. As long, like, I don't know what I'm trying to say is as long as you're organized in your life, you can be organized in pole vault. So I can go to a meet and I can be like, okay, I've done all of the same stuff this week. I just jumped, let's say, let's say my PR is 16.6. I go to a meet. I say, okay, I just jumped 16.6 last week. I know what it felt like. Nothing has changed in my life since that meet. Nothing is different. The only thing that can be different out of me in that situation is your head. Yeah. Is your mind. And a lot of times people will not realize it, but the smallest things can affect you. The very smallest thing to get you out of that mindset of, oh, I'm a 16-6 jumper. Oh, I'm a 15-6 jumper. You have to be able to limit those distractions. Yeah, no, I, so I I think you're bringing up some great points in that, you know, it's funny. Sometimes you'll see like memes on Instagram or something like that, where they're like, oh, actually very disorganized people are super geniuses. And listen, I don't know, maybe there's some truth to that, but I, I, I would say that, you, if you're going to be success driven, there needs to be some organization and there needs to be some type of system. Like even like what you're saying, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like you try to keep your week as normal as possible. Like even if you guys are traveling, it's like, okay, but still like I'm making sure my dorm room is clean. You know, I, I make sure that I go to all my classes. I'm getting my classwork done when I'm supposed to. I'm not missing my, my workout sessions. I try to do the same things in practice. Like if we were working on this drill, let's get it even better. You know, if I'm hitting this pole from a five, maybe try to get on a little bit bigger pole. And as long as you keep chipping away, you know, and keep those things consistent, well, you should perform well on, on Saturday. Now, that being said, someone who's disorganized, who's 
going to class late. They, they'd never take notes properly. Their dorm room's a mess. They show up late to practices. They, they don't get enough sleep. They're not eating right. Or they stay up late and then eat pizza every night. And it's like, well, you're, you're going to be exhausted by the time Saturday comes around. You know, how, how are you, how are you going to get in bed on time Friday night for that early morning bus ride or whatever? You know, it's like, you're already throwing yourself off, you know? Yeah. And mentally that affects people because I mean, there's not a person out there that does that and doesn't know that they're doing it. Like you don't, like if you're missing classes, if you're being late for practice, it creates anxiety. It creates yeah. anxieties in your head about your performance. Cause you don't know, like if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you don't know how you're going to perform. Right. And so that's like the biggest enemy of pole vault is anxiety when you're on the runway, running down and go and just running through. Right. I used to be the worst about running through all the time, but I just figured out it was because I was, I mean, for me at least it's because I was disorganized. I wasn't able to collect my thoughts when I got down there on the runway, mm-hmm. like, like to get there and know this is normal. This is like, everything is good in my life. So, you know, you know, what's something that I talk about at the club is like, okay, so you know, I always tell people like I coach the vault sequentially from beginning to end steps one, two, three, four, five. Right. So like, you know, as an example, like we'll talk about, okay, you know, how do you, how do you hold the pole? You know, pole, carry, run, plant, take off. And then you have takeoff, swing and turn, right? Like that's the sequence. And I always tell people like, you have to be able to think sequentially. If you're running down the runway and you're like thinking about the turn, right? Like maybe I cue you after a jump and I'm like, dude, you got to get to the turn a little bit earlier. And you're like running down the runway. You're like, I got to turn. I got to turn. You missed the plan, you know? So it's like you, and, and, and it doesn't have to always be like verbal, right? Like you don't have to think in words, you know, it could be feelings or, you know, to associate with each stage of the ball, but you have to feel these things sequentially as you go through to duplicate them. And I think that's a problem, right? Like, like you said, if you've been all week, like, you know, late to class or not sleeping well and this, that, and the other, and all of a sudden you're stressing about, oh my God, I don't know how well I'm going to do this semester. Oh my God, I've been slacking at practice too. I don't know if I'm ready today. And then you're like running down the runway. Instead of even thinking about technical stuff or feeling the vault, you're like, oh my God, I really hope I don't like shit the bed today. It's like, boom, you'll shit the bed, you know? Exactly, exactly. That's why so many, so many things you can need to control every factor that you can control in your life. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just how you're going to get. I mean, mentally it'll help you out, especially in college. Staying organized in college will help you tremendously. Getting everything done on time will save you so much stress at the end of the semester. Don't start out a semester and then just, you know, do bad for the first month of it and then be like, Oh, I'll pick it up. I'll pick it up at the end. Because at the end of that, you're heading to regionals. At the end of that, you're heading to outdoor conference. You don't want to be, you know, having C's and D's in all of your classes going into conference with your finals the next week. Yeah, that, that's like you can't play catch up. That that would be like in pole vault practice. Like if we're in the portion of the season where we're doing three, four, five laps, you were like on baby, baby poles, like not even near what you were doing last year. And you're like, no, but when we get back to sevens and eights, I'll get on a new pole, like at the biggest pole of my life. Like, I don't think so, dude. You're clearly not showing that you're prepared, you know, and it's going to be really hard for now all of a sudden you to go on a, a pole 10 pounds stiffer than you've ever been on your whole life. If you're not doing it from short, you know, you can't play catch up. Uh, and, and I think, again, going back to just life, right, this is a good way to prepare people for life. You know, it's like if you have certain goals that you want to achieve, whether it's you want that promotion at work or you're going in on a job interview or you want to start a business, you know, it's like 
you have to make sure that you're keeping things in order, that you're not falling behind. Try to control everything that you possibly can. Like, let's say you're going to that job interview. Don't leave the house so you'll make it just on time. What if you hit traffic? Now you're going to blame traffic? It was your choice to leave just on time. Leave maybe an extra half an hour buffer. You might get lost in the building too for the job interview. Give yourself some extra time. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, I think it's just, it's good stuff to prepare you for life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to me how many people come to college and I've seen it time and time again. I mean, not everybody that starts out on a college track team will make it to their senior year on a college track team. That's just the unfortunate truth about it. Yeah. But I definitely see a greater majority of people that are organized and don't have like people will quit because college will get very stressful on them. Mm -hmm. And if you can eliminate that stress and stay on top of your stuff, then all of a sudden it's like, boom, college is easy. College college is something that you can do, something that you can control, you know? Yeah, no, I look, and one, I I definitely want to ask you what your major is and and I want you to talk about that. But, um, you know, going to your point, it's like how many, you know, students on campus not, not doing a sport, don't have a job and falling apart, you know? And sometimes it's like, you know, there's that, that cliche say, saying, right? Like idle hands are the devil's playground, right? If you don't have enough to do, yeah, you're going to be like, ah, what big deal. I'll play video games for another half an hour. I'll play, you know, I'll sit on the couch and watch Netflix another half hour. Ah, I don't have to shower before I go to class. You know, it's like all of a sudden you're slipping into these really bad habits that it, they're not going to help move you forward. And you have to take responsibility. And I think doing a sport in college, although, you know, listen, I, I would give student athletes the, the utmost credit. I think, you know, balancing, a, you know, a sport, academics, and then you have people that are even, ha- you know, working a job at the same time. That's awesome. And you know what? You're going to be better prepared for after college, for the real world, because you're balancing all, all these things. But it can be done. It's not impossible. Um, so, yeah, what, what is your major? I am majoring in finance. Awesome. Okay. Yeah, I, want to be a, uh, I want to be a personal finance uh, person when I get older. I want to take people's money, invest it, and make more money out of it. Yeah. That's my life goal. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's awesome. And and look, for people who do that, and actually one of my coaches is a financial advisor and, and a good friend of mine, Mark Cortazzo, who's been on the podcast, he he started USPVA. He's a financial advisor. I mean, hey, it's it's a it's a big job. It is very important. One, if you don't make people money, they're gonna be pretty upset. Um, there's a lot on the line there. And and you have to be able to, you know, go through a lot of information and balance all this information and make really critical, critical decisions. And just like what you're describing with pole vault and trying to be ready for Saturday, it's like you have to do your best to try to keep everything in order and make sure you have enough time to go through all your tasks every day. You know, so it's, it's, it's super, super important. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to wake up one day and your clients, you don't, you don't want to wait for a stock to drop by like five or $10 and your client loses 10 grand. You don't don't want to wait for that to happen. You have to be proactive. You have to be on top of it. Right. I mean, you have to do your due diligence to be able to do your job well. You have to do everything in your life that you need to do to be able to be successful in any field. I mean, accounting, finance, pole vault, anything. Yeah, Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I always tell people, I mean, look, 
I'm not going to lie. I love my life. I get to coach pole vaulting. I make a living. You know, I'm not wealthy or anything like that, but you know, I, I'm happy and I, I get to wake up every morning and, and I put a lot of effort in and I enjoy it. But that being said, it is a lot of effort. There are things I have to do on a daily basis. I mean, obviously with coronavirus, we were closed for, for a long time, but like, you know, during a normal year, it's like, man, I might go from New Year's Day until like the end of spring track with maybe five days off, you know, because it's like there's a track meet almost every day of the weekend. We have practices from Saturday through Thursday, Friday's the only day that we're actually closed. Um, and so it's like, we're constantly just going and trying to balance, you know, all the meets and who's coaching there, who's coaching here, who's covering practice. Am I at practice? You know, then we even like the last couple of years, we started a rent a coach program where high schools can have one of the apex vaulting coaches go to their high school. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I'm, I'm so pumped because so many more kids get to get introduced to the event, you know, but it's like, you know, I love it but it's a lot of effort and you have to stay organized. You have to make sure, you know, you wake up early enough to get things done. Also, like I really care about my own physical health. So I, I get a workout in every day. If I don't do it at a certain time, it's not getting done, you know? So I I think it's super important for people to think like that because no matter what your job is, like you said, you have to be on a schedule. You have to figure it out and, and you can't, you can't try to play catch up. That's, that's an impossible game. No, you cannot get back a practice ever. Yeah. I mean, for me at Kennesaw, we don't have a place that we can jump into where they're currently working on that. And uh, my high school club is down the road. But what that means for us is it's not, it's not anything bad for us because we're all used to jumping outside and outdoors and all that. Mm. But you can't afford to waste a practice. You can't right. afford to come out and not perform well. Cause I mean, in the wintertime, I mean, we had days when it was, you know, 50 or 60 degrees outside. And then every other day of the week, it was 30. Right. Or like just too so you, you can't waste that, that one good day, you know? No, you can't. You have to be ready to go. You have to be ready to go. And that's why I say that, I mean, if you're staying organized, then you're ready to go any day of the week. If you're not organized and all of a sudden your coach calls you and said, Hey, we're going to have to actually pull like pole vault tomorrow. And you realize that you have homework that you've known about for six weeks. That's also due tomorrow. Yeah. You're like, Oh crap. Well, now I'm stressed out, you know, am I going to have a good practice or not? Like I have all this other stuff I'm worried about. Right. Jack, Jack, how old are you? I'm 21 years old. I turned 21 March 10th. Wow. I, I I have to say I'm, I'm very, very impressed. Like talking to you, I I would think you're like 28 or something, you know? Um, I, 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 I'm, I think, you know, you DM me and you're like, Hey, I think we could have a great podcast and just talking to you right now, I think a lot of young people are going to listen to this and be like, holy crap, I got to get my act together. <laughs> you know, I really appreciate that Bronco. I mean, you're obviously very smart. I've listened to so many of your podcasts, I listened to your one with Chase Brandon last year. Yeah, that, that was, was a really great good one. one to listen to. I listened to your one with uh, Bubba Sparks. That was awesome. Bubba is amazing. Yeah. yeah. He's an awesome guy. I met him actually at, um, I think it was the Grand Haven beach vault actually mm-hmm. up in Grand Rapids, Michigan is when I, not Grand Rapids in Grand Haven, Michigan. Mm-hmm. I went yeah, up there and did that one summer and I met a whole bunch of people that, yeah. that were just crazy good athletes. The, the thing that impresses me so much about Bubba, I mean, look, he has a wealth of knowledge, right? He's an 18 foot vaulter. He's worked with so many different coaches and, and he, he's so educated in the vault, but also educated in life. But the thing that's crazy is like you talk to Bubba and he talks to you like 
you're his equal. You know what I mean? And he treats you with respect and he has an open mind. Like if you say like, Hey, like I, I thought about this drill or I think about this part of the jump like this. He doesn't just like jump down your throat. And be like, no, that's wrong, Jack. You can't do it like that. You know, it's like, he's like, oh, well, why do you think that? And, and you get to like, you know, talk it through and see, you know, is there merit to what you're saying, you know, and he'll provide his feedback, whether he agrees or disagrees. But that's just, it's so amazing to hear that because I think most of the time when, when you think about people as they get older, like even people my age, I'm going to be 40 in, in December, you know, they're kind of closed minded. They have one way of thinking, this is it, and I don't want to consider anything else. And it's like, whoa, like, I, I don't know. So it was, it was just amazing to talk to Bubba and, 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 you know, hear that perspective. Yeah, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of the male vultures for America over the past. I mean, met Mark Hollis, actually went and toured his alma mater. It's, he went to Olivet Nazarene up in uh, Illinois. I forget the town. I think it's Burr. I, I don't want to butcher the name, but it starts yeah, with yeah. <laughs> no worries. Um, yeah, and then Tim Mack, um, he was a really great guy, and uh, of course Chase Brandon and all of them. But the yeah. one thing characteristic I would share about all of them is that all of the better vultures have not been that close-minded. They all got better because they were open-minded. They all were able to take coaching from all different types of people and environments and cultivate that into how they think about pole vaulting. Yeah. They were maybe able to take one thing from this coach, one thing from this coach, another thing from this coach, just some little things that resonate with them. And that's what made them the complete vulture that they were. I, I always, I always uh, talk about like the, the whiskey analogy. I don't know if you've heard my whiskey analogy, but it's like, you know, some people mistakenly think like, oh, like a single barrel, like 18 year aged whiskey is the best, but really the best and most expensive whiskeys out there, they're blends. So they take some from this barrel, they take some from this barrel and that barrel, and then they just combine the best of all these different barrels, and that actually creates the best whiskey. And I think that if you go through life and realize that, you know what, I don't want to be a single barrel whiskey. I want to be a blend. I want to take the best from all these people that have experiences, knowledge, wisdom that I don't have and try to blend it into the best mixture that I can make, you know? Um, obviously that being said, like there's certain like things, like if you believe in this school of thought, you're not going to do something else, right? Like you, you eliminate certain things. Um, like this one strength and conditioning coach, Mike Boyle says, the more you find out, the less answers there are sometimes, right? It's like, if you don't know anything, it's like, maybe the best thing you can do is just jog around the building as many times as you can and you'll get fit. But it's like, as you learn more, it's like, okay, maybe that's not the best thing to do. But like, again, it's like, taking what you can from all these different people, all these different avenues and combining it, you know, I, I always think that's the best option. You know, I mean, I learned a lot from Roman Bicharnikov down in Tennessee, but I also learned a lot from Mike Lorick. And then still to this day, as we're going through Apex and, you know, I have different people coaching with me, we come up with new things, new solutions, you know, and we deal with new things like, you know, look, I, I think if you have a 6'4", you know, 185 pound male jumping, certain things might work in that scenario that may not work for four foot 11, you know, hundred pound Sally, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to be able to look at it from all angles, you know? And even something that I feel very strong, like when I first started coaching, I was like all or nothing. Like you're either going to jump full tilt or we can't work together. And now I realize, like, sure. I have my athletes that they have very, very lofty goals. They want to do maybe something like you've done Jack, you know? But then I have athletes that this is just fun. This is a nice recreational activity. And I'm like, you know what? 
that's awesome too. And that, that's okay too, you know? So there is room for that where that's where it's like the blending comes in. Like you have to be able to blend all these different ideas. It can, it can all work depending on the purpose, you know? Yeah. And I came, I mean, what, one thing that I can attribute my success to is the fact that I've had so many different coaches. I've heard so many different perspectives. I yeah. mean, I don't know if you've ever heard of KMR athletics in South Carolina. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you know, you know, yeah, I've, I've talked to them a bunch of times. Yeah, Brian and Alina are some great people. I really like them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I've—I mean, I came from Georgia pole vault down in Georgia. That was my first real coaching situation down there. I mean, we had four or five coaches, and then I mean, I went to Aquinas College. We had one coach. His name was um, Jim Salt. No, that's the Tennessee coach, <laughs> Jim. Wow, Morrissey. I, I can't believe I forgot that, Jim Morrissey. Okay. And uh, he was a really great coach to me. He really helped me out a lot with my technique. He was able to easily identify like what would what would get me from being a fifteen six jumper to jumping higher, and that was mm-hmm. literally my takeoff, just my left arm, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. taking off a not under. Um, but then going to Tennessee and getting the perspective from Jim Sullivan, who's the coach there now. Yeah, I mean, he really helped me out and opened my eyes more to some of the things that I need to be doing. Yeah, to, to not just pole vaulting wise, but other things in my life that I need to be doing, like being organized, things like coming to practice and I don't know, just performing better. He said, Jack, you need to expect more from yourself. And so I did, that was something, I mean, it wasn't even a part of the pole vault that I learned from him, but that aspect of life has really helped me out. And then I get to Kennesaw and I'm back down in Georgia. I mean, all of the vaulters at Kennesaw, I basically went and jumped at Georgia pole vault with in high school. Mm. So it's really cool to yeah, be back yeah. around all those guys again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and it's just like being able to culminate. It's like, I feel like there isn't a single pole vaulter out there that I can't learn something from. I really don't because everybody, I mean, struggles with pole vault a different way. I don't think there's a single person that just came out on pole vault and they're just like, oh, I just do it. Like, <laughs> right like, how'd you jump 19 feet i just planted the pole <laughs> yeah yeah no i mean listen i think there's so many different approaches out there and i i think that one of the things that i always kind of like harp on is you know i i love the club scene and i and i think one of the big benefits of the club scene and you know i will always say like i think one of the best coaches in america is mike Lorick. You know, he started vertical assault. Now he's out in California. He had the number one high school boy this year who jumped 17-3 or 17-4. Um, but, you know, it's like when you see so many different people and you have to figure out how to help all these different types of people to jump higher, you know, you, just, you have a, a completely different perspective. And you know that you've got to be willing to make changes and you've got to be be willing to make adjustments and use a new drill and use a different, uh, you know, process for every individual person and figure out what works. Um, I, I think that's huge. Whereas like sometimes, unfortunately, I do think in the pole vault world, people do get closed minded and they're like, this is the only way you can only do it this way all the time. And it's like, I don't know. That doesn't always work out. Like the, the example I always give is like when I first started coaching Rampo, I was very lucky in the beginning. We had some some pretty good athletes. You know, those were the people that were going to nationals, winning nationals, that kind of stuff. And I would always like, we'd be starting the season full blast from like eight lefts. But then it's like, when I stopped having the same class of athlete, that wasn't an option. You know what I mean? And I think that's the thing. It's like, people need to learn to make adjustments. You know, you have to do what works 
you know, sure, ideally you'd like X, but you, you're going to have to make it work with this. And that, that's another reason that it's important to really evaluate a college before you go, because you can go somewhere where you have someone like what you're saying, where they're very close-minded. They treat every athlete the exact same. But in pole vault, you cannot treat every athlete the same because everybody is going to have different struggles. Right. I am going to have different struggles than the person next to me. I'm going to have different struggles than, let's say, Rachel on my, on my, my team at Kennesaw. I'm going to have different struggles than Steven on my team at Kennesaw. Mm-hmm. So it takes a really good pole vault coach to be able to identify everybody's differences and be able to work on what that person needs to work on. Well, even what motivates someone, you know, I mean, going back to like, let's say a, a, a real world issue, not just pole vault, like, you know, you're going to work at, in finance, you're going to have a slew of clients that all have different goals. You know, somebody's trying to save for retirement. Somebody's trying to make good money. Somebody wants to be a little risky, you know, and it's like, you have to take in their goals and then see what motivates them. What's going to actually make them happy? Because that, that's something too. Sometimes you get athletes, they tell you what they want and you're like, that's not really what they want. Like, you know what I mean? So it's like, you have to be able to read people and figure out what, what motivates them. You know, um, like I always talk about, it was like, there's positive reinforcement, there's negative reinforcement, and then there's punishment, you know? And like, there's a reason that the three exist, right? And you have to figure out what works for each person. Um, yeah. Yeah. Everybody's going to need something different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to add, Jack? Um, shout out to Nate Harper. Uh, shout out to Steven, uh, down at Kennesaw. Shout out to Rachel. Shout out to Jada. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Bronco. Seriously. It's been an honor. No problem. Um, if people want to follow you on Instagram or anything, what, uh, you want to tell them your handle? Yeah, so you can follow me at J-A-C-K-R-H-E-A. That's just my name. Okay, awesome. Um, and for, for everybody listening, thank you for listening. This has been awesome. Great episode, Jack. Um, if you're looking to follow us, it's at The Real Apex Vaulting on Instagram. It's Apex Vaulting on Facebook, Snapchat, Twitter, and TikTok. And this is the Apex Vaulting Podcast. If you like it, subscribe. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud, and we post them on YouTube now. Um, and leave a review. Thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks for being on, Jack. Hey, not a problem. Thanks for having me.